all the magic happens when we're recovering anyway. Yeah. In terms of the, the gains, quote unquote, that you want. You have to eat properly. You have to sleep. You have to focus on lifestyle factors like recovery. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. I want to take a moment this week to tell you guys about why I became a coach. Let me start with this truth that I believe with everything that I am. Movement is medicine, both on the physical and the mental side of things. So when we think about keeping our tissues healthy, movement is key. Well-patterned movement is the key to living a pain-free life. I just read a stat the other day that One in two Americans lives their life in pain. That is insane and also really sad because pain directly affects your quality of life. To me, that just really shows how diseased our movement patterns have become. When you move properly, it keeps your body healthy. And I've seen this from all ages, all body types, all different kinds of people. On the mental side of things, movement is also so critical. I have a background in neuroscience, so I'm going to nerd out on you guys a little bit here. But when you exercise, it has been well documented that your brain releases something called BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And what this does for your brain is it makes it essentially more plastic. So when I say that, it means that it makes it better able to learn. So there have been lots of studies done on school-aged kids where they have them exercise for even short periods of time. So getting their heart rate up nice and high for even 10, 20 minutes at a time. And they've shown that those kids are much better able to retain information and facts that they learn in school that day. So that's pretty cool. So you're literally putting yourself in a better place to be able to learn, to be able to change. When I say your brain's more plastic, it's referring to a concept called neuroplasticity, which essentially says that we're able to create new connections in our brain for the entirety of our lives. So we can always be changing our brain, creating new connections, making our minds better based on what we're choosing to focus on in our lives. So movement is medicine. In addition, movement has always been near and dear to my heart because I did grow up as a dancer. So there's always been something about moving my body that it's really empowering for me and really is my happy place, puts me in a flow state. In the gym, I love the idea that you can get better at something, you can make true progress, and you can see it week to week. So when you follow a strength program, in week one, you may be able to lift a certain weight, but then as you track your progress through the weeks, you're going to be able to do something entirely different. So that concept of being able to do something that you haven't been able to do before, I think is just the best thing in the world. And that translates to all aspects of your life. So it's really amazing how I've had this happen with myself and I've also seen it happen with clients. But once you realize that this concept in the gym and you start to understand it and you see it week after week or month after month, you start to realize that it actually applies to all aspects of our lives. When you consciously, intentionally try to work on something, whatever it is in your life, you can get better at it And seeing that progress week to week is so cool. Being able to move around to push to pull heavy weights is also unbelievably empowering, especially for women. As females, of course I'm generalizing here, but I feel that as females, we're more likely to place limits on ourselves, both in the gym, but also in other areas of our lives. We put ourselves in these boxes. Through strength training, you can start to do things that you never thought that you were able to do before. And that's extremely empowering. I love that feeling for myself in my training, but I also love sharing that feeling with clients. Another reason that I love being a coach is that 
In training, you're doing something for yourself. You're setting aside time to get your body and your mind right. It's a ripple effect. It starts to translate into all other aspects of your life. And I love facilitating that for people and being a part of that process. Someone may walk in the gym with really specific goals that just relate to the gym, but within a matter of time, those things start to expand and other areas of your life start to improve. It might mean fueling your body in a more sustainable and healthy way. It might mean getting more sleep. It might mean dialing into your body because you're paying attention to how your body feels after workouts and you realize something else isn't right. So that might lead you to go see a practitioner for the first time. Putting aside this time to do something for yourself where you're focusing on your body multiple times a week is one of the best things that somebody can do for themselves. And so being a part of that is so special for me. Fitness really can be a starting point for all things relating to health and wellness. I also love being a part of training with clients because workouts are vulnerable. It takes a lot of trust to share that with someone. You're showing up in the gym, you might feel out of your element, you might be uncomfortable, you're going to put your body through something that's very challenging, you're out of control of what exactly the workout is that you're going to do. For someone to trust me enough to share that with me, first of all, means the world to me, but also leads to connections with those clients that become so real and so strong. So the genuine human connection that happens when you share that training space with somebody is really beautiful. It's powerful to stare your weaknesses in the face and decide that you're going to get better at them. I'm so proud of my clients that show up to the gym and do that multiple times a week for weeks and weeks at a time. Coaching will always be a very special part of my life. At this point, it feels like such a part of who I am and such a part of my identity that I can't imagine it not being present in my life. For me, it has led me to learn about all of these other aspects of wellness. So it has been an impetus for me learning about nutrition and and the soul and mentality around our bodies and fitness and all of these things. The relationships that I form with clients don't just end when I walk outside of the gym. I become invested in their journey and how they're feeling and how they're treating their body outside of the space that we're training in. And I love that. I love that I have a job that allows me the opportunity to form those connections and get to know people that maybe I wouldn't have run into in another life. If you are out there listening to this and maybe you haven't started your fitness journey yet or you're just thinking about starting or you're in the beginning phases, I want you to know that One of the best things that you can do is to find a good quality coach that's invested in you. So how do you do that? Things to look for. Look for someone that cares about the basics. Look for a coach that's not preoccupied with the quote-unquote flashy things or the buzzwords, that it doesn't seem salesy or gimmicky. Also look for somebody that's not claiming to have a quick fix for anything. Because the reality is when it comes to your body and when it comes to movement and making good changes for yourself, it does take time. Progress is relatively slow, but that's okay because I think Elena told this when told us this when she came on the podcast, but the slower the change, the more likely the changes are to stay. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to make changes that are going to change the rest of your life. If you need help in your fitness journey or you're curious about any of these things, I would love to hear from you. I would love to help. Shoot me a message. It is my absolute favorite thing to help people in either starting their fitness journeys or in progressing them along. With that being said, on the podcast this week, I have a pretty incredible coach, somebody that I really look up to in the fitness industry. Her name is Sylvie Tatro, and she is also a holistic nutritionist. I loved this conversation because it was really all over the place, but in the best way. We talked about training professional athletes to training the general population. 
We talked a lot about sleep, which we really dove into and is a topic that I've been fascinated by lately, so I loved that. We also talked a lot about stress and ways to manage stress through your nutrition. And then Sylvia answered some pretty fascinating listener questions at the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one and enjoy hearing from Sylvie. Can you start off by just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what yeah, you do? Absolutely. So I'm Sylvie and I'm a strength and conditioning coach as well as a holistic sports nutritionist. And I've been in the health and wellness field for 12 years, which really dates me. Um, <laughs> but I was a former athlete in university and yeah, it's just been my passion to follow this uh, this path and it's changed a lot over the years. Uh, but yeah, now I, I work with a range of clients. Um, my focus is on performance. So I do high level athletes, professional athletes. And then I also work with like busy moms who just want to perform and be able to do their best in their daily life. So that's my focus now. Cool. How is it different working with on the high performance sports side and then gen pop? How yeah. do you kind of balance those two things? When you think about working with professional athletes, people think, oh, you just work with professional athletes. And I actually love working with a mixture because I love the way that professional athletes will just like, you tell them to do something and they'll do it. And it's like, they get why, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but then when you're working, you know, with people who just are, you know, want to improve their brain health for work or get better results in the gym, there's so much of a, a motivation from them that is different from a professional athlete because professional athletes usually don't deal with motivation issues. It's like they kind of just do it. Whereas, yeah. you know, as a coach with uh, dealing with a lot of different people, like there's, there's different whys. And so that's what's really interesting for me working with such a wide range of people because you really get to their why mm -hmm. they're doing something. And, you know, if you can get those small wins and, and results with them, it's actually sometimes more exciting than the like 1% better that professional athletes get. Again, love that part. But sometimes when people, you know, get these huge gains in the gym because they start eating well and focusing on all these other things, like those are such cool goals to be a part of because Definitely. they make a big difference in people's lives, right? Yeah. And they just notice that wins that that makes such a difference in their life and so that that's like really rewarding for me yeah you can see big differences really fast with beginners totally. which, is, which makes that first couple months a blast yeah and I love that part yeah what yeah. are the biggest challenges of working with athletes they know what's happening but there must be different challenges yeah absolutely and you know I I've been so fortunate to work with some just amazing athletes that you know are so dialed in and some what of the sport? top athletes what so mainly mostly? hockey okay. I work with I have um I have some Olympians and I'm working with a couple fighters right now too so I have a wide range but uh mainly professional hockey I've been involved in that for almost seven years and so the challenges I'm working with them is obviously keeping up with them to the level that they're at and being, you know, consistent with what they're doing and making sure that they're, you know, dialed in year round and mm -hmm. able to, you know, deal with things like injuries and not lose their sense of identity. And so it's, it really is like a mental thing with athletes as well. And people think they're these like physical specimens that don't go through hardship. And that is totally untrue. They, mm -hmm. you know, have challenges just like anyone else. And, you know, performing at the level that they need to perform at from a pressure standpoint. Yeah. So that's a big thing. Like I deal with, you know, stress a lot when it comes to athletes because understanding that their nervous system is going to be, you know, overtrained a lot of the time and that we have to mitigate that with a lot of the small things in their lifestyle, like sleep and nutrition and training and dialing back sometimes, which is the most hard thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like the hardest thing for athletes where they're like, you need to dial back and they're like, yeah, no. Yeah. And so yeah, that, that they know becomes... their job is to maintain a certain level of performance. That's scary. Yeah. And so when you tell them, like, listen, like, you know, if you go down this path and keep pushing, like, you know, other stuff like injuries and burnout and that type of thing can come up. So those, I think, are the biggest challenges is to, like, understanding when they need to step back and focus on these other factors. Yeah, definitely. I've never thought about that before. I've never personally trained um, athletes yeah. um, or professional athletes, but with 
clients that I have in the gym, let's if something crazy is going on in their lives, we can change the program, right? Like there's no standard that we need to hold them to. We can kind of just take the ebbs and flows of life. And if you make some improvements here, great. If not, it's okay. But with athletes, it's a completely different standard. So oh, yeah. it must be a different experience. You must feel a little bit more um, like you need to stick to their exact program and make sure that they're they're going through it and getting everything done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What sports did you play? Yeah. So I, I have a wide range of sports. I started off as my very first love was figure skating. Oh, believe really? it or not, because I'm <laughs> such a tomboy. Well, I was such a tomboy. But uh, yeah, I started off in figure skating. Like I loved that. Did it competitively for years. And there wasn't, actually, there wasn't actually female hockey in Nova Scotia, like in my small town when I grew up. So I feel like I would have played that because I love mm. skating. I was like on the pond every day and I would play shinny like on the like pond but i don't know what shinny, shinny is. is like outdoor <laughs> hockey oh yeah you're oh, American. Okay. yeah i always forget Should that I know what this is um, i don't know yeah <laughs> you're like, what's shinny well now you learn something new you learn a canadian yeah. term yeah so it's like outdoor pond hockey essentially okay. they call okay. it shinny even just skating on a pond to me is like, like such a foreign concept but yeah really people cool. do that yeah. yeah so i grew up doing that i live like down the street from a pond and so I used to do that, and then I was a volleyball player, a soccer player, and then in high school, I fell in love with rugby. Ah. And so that's what I played in university. I played rugby. I actually don't even fully know all the rules to rugby. Yeah. It just looks chaotic. <laughs> I mean, it definitely does look chaotic if you don't mm-hmm. know the sport. Yeah. Um, I still, like, you know, penalties and all that. I don't even remember all of them because I haven't played in years. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is an intense sport, and it's like grueling on your body but when you're young I feel like you just put your body through whatever and you're like I can bounce back from this and I was always a very like physical person like I loved being active so I was like this is just another aspect of that yeah speaking of injury I know that you battled back from a pretty challenging injury um, somewhat recently could you tell us a little bit about that and about that journey coming back from it yeah, absolutely. I I had a disc herniation in my back six years ago, wow. and I was at the time working, I started at the High Performance Center working with the hockey players, and so I was training, I was working really long days, and my workouts were kind of short, and I was, you know, kind of just fitting them in, and I came from athlete background, so I felt that I had to, like, perform, and I was working with athletes, so I was like, I have to perform a similar way and push myself in a similar manner mm. and so I wasn't practicing what I was preaching and I'd always kind of had like back issues since I was a teenager and there were just you know little things that came up I one day was like just not able to get out of bed like it got so bad that I couldn't get out of bed and I was in the middle of the summer which was our busiest like off-season training oh, and I couldn't go to work for like a month and a half and I was in like I couldn't walk. Well, what my... did you feel? Was it pain in your back? So I actually no so disc herniations, like what, what happens is like a lot of the symptoms you'll get. So because the disc is pushing against like your spine, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, is pushing against your nerve and your your nerves in your lower back, what happens is I actually had severe sciatic pain, so it's pushing on my sciatic nerve. And oh, so geez. I had severe sciatic pain down my legs so a lot of the time like people will get what's called drop foot and I actually you know didn't have this part but the nerve sensation goes all down your leg and you actually can't control and I actually have a lot of like nerve damage still from that but it was like the most grueling thing I've ever gone through and the biggest thing for me was it just taught me that I I took my body for granted because Mm -hmm. I was always active and I was always able to bounce back from injuries. I'm like, oh, I'll just go through the injury protocol. And with this, it was like, you know, you might need surgery. And I was in my 20s and I'm like, I'm not getting surgery. Like, that's crazy. How this made your back surgery. Yeah. And I'm like an active person and I like I'm a strength coach and I have all these tools. And so, and I have these amazing, you know, practitioners that were working with me at the time and so fortunately I worked with a um a team of chiropractors and and putting in all of the work myself like getting my strength back and like going back to not being able to do a glute bridge and like doing a glute bridge again like all of that stuff that I took for granted as like an active strength coach Mm -hmm. I had to like retrain everything and so my mindset around exercise and nutrition and recovery like I totally cleaned everything I was in nutrition school at the time and cleaned up 
everything. Like I'm saying, like I went on full anti-inflammatory. I was like, nothing that's going to make this worse because there's no way I'm getting surgery. (laughs) So even though like the surgeon looked at my MRI and he's like, yeah, you're going to need surgery. So yeah. And, and knock on wood, it's six years later and I'm like way stronger and didn't have to get surgery and so grateful for everyone who was supportive during that time. And, and I'm also, you know, grateful for putting in the work and like knowing that it was going to be a long road and being like, cause a lot of people when they say, Oh, like you have to get surgery and you hear it from a professional, they'll just do it. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the solution. There's usually other ways. And I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody. This was my case. But for me, like I knew that I would put in the work outside of that to build my strength back up and like be mobile and be in a place of pain free. Even though when you're in those moments, it seems like, impossible to be pain-free because it probably every little everything was painful everything wow yeah so it it was like pivotal moment in my life because now I know you know I can relate to people who go through and I work with athletes so they all have major injuries and the process that you go through in losing your identity my identity was my body Mm -hmm. like I was a strength coach and I was an athlete and I'm like I'm so resilient. Like I can bounce back from anything. And then this happened and you're like, mm. so humbling. <laughs> so wow. humbling. I was like, yeah, I, you know, my body is not as uh, tough as I think it is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So fast forward to now, do you, do you still experience symptoms? You're saying no. you have maybe some nerve damage? Still, yeah. Or? So I have like, just based on like what happened uh, at the time, I have some like numbness in my shin still from, but it's not pain like I don't feel it's just that the nerve was so damaged at that time and that might always be the case my back doesn't hurt but it's a constant reminder of being cautious about my body and knowing when to step back like there's certain exercises that I thought I would never do again that I now do deadlifts I thought like it's off the table I still love deadlifts yeah but, <laughs> uh, but yeah I'm just cautious of it now more than anything and I do all the small stuff. My warm up's like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's my workout cuz I'm like this is all I have time for today. But you don't skip it anymore. Whereas oh, no, like I was like to. telling everybody like this is what you have to do and then I'm like man, I only have like 20 minutes. I'm just going to front squat and do pull-ups. <laughs> wow. Did you change anything in the way that you lift? Like did you have to make some form adjustments too or was it mostly just the that you weren't like mobilizing It was mainly and volume right? and then I think it was an accumulation like because it was like a lead up thing for me. It wasn't like I had I like fell and had this one moment where right. I'm like I just did something to my back. It was like oh I had some like, you know, some issues in university with my back and I had some issues in high mm-hmm. school where like I would be in pain at certain times and even as a figure skater, I talked to my car about this like falling And then going to sports like volleyball where there's so much extension. So I was like falling on my butt all the time in figure skating because that's what you do. (laughs) And then you go to like something like volleyball where you're extending all the time and then bending over and then something like rugby where it's like full contact. And so again, like I could have done things back then and just my symptoms didn't show up until later. I see. So cumulative effect. That's a lot of injuries. Like things start to break down and then all of a sudden it's like... It's so oh, true. This that's why we're, That's why we're so concerned about how people move all the time. Totally. And on a daily basis, right? Yeah. It's not just that hour in the gym. Like, how does it look? We're looking at movement patterns for totally. that reason. Yeah, yeah, just watching someone pick something up sometimes. I'm like, ah, uh, you know, like yeah. just like those oh gosh, types yeah. of things in life where, you know, as yeah, movement specialists, you look at that all the time mm-hmm. in, in everyday life. So... Yeah. Yeah. And you don't realize that those things do add up. Like I think that if I were to say something to someone like, oh, don't pick it up that way. Like, oh, but I'm fine. I didn't feel anything. Okay. But do that times a thousand over the course of the next year and you might give yourself an injury. It is a lot of education. The accumulation thing is is so key. And I think that was for sure my problem. Yeah. Especially with, it sounds like, how many sports you were doing. Like, how active you were. I mean, hours and hours a day from the time you, when you were young, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, So, you're also in the nutrition side of things. Can you tell me a little bit about, well, I want to hear about your personal kind of like nutrition philosophy and then also what you do with clients. My nutrition philosophy is very simple in the sense that I always make it 
individualized for the client. So whoever it is, um, one of the big rules that I have is that we're just listening to our own bodies and paying attention to what works and what doesn't work. So my approach is very performance-based because again, I work with athletes. I try to shift the focus as much as possible. Even if you know someone comes to me and they want to lose weight, we find performance goals out of that. So like, what does the weight loss actually mean to you? Does it mean you can move better in the gym? Does it mean that you can play with your, you know, kids and and have more energy? What does that actually mean? Um, so what are some of the the reasons that you find, like, let's say somebody does come in with a weight loss goal and then you start asking more questions. What sorts of things do you tend to find? It comes down to that individual why, but Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the time, you know, it is to increase energy. It Mm -hmm. is to, you know, be able to show up and perform at their job or whatever they're passionate about in a like strong way, because, you know, strength, obviously it's physical, but it's also so much mental and emotional. For example, I had a client recently who, this is one of my favorites because she came in and she was all, she was really stressed about this 10 pounds that she had built up. And that was like what we talked about originally. And then, you know, through coaching and through really getting to know, you know, what the underlying reasons, it was like, she wanted to be able to feel lighter to be able to do a pull up. And then Mm. she also wanted to get back to jujitsu, which she had done, which made her feel strong and made her feel powerful and that she could not feel injured when she came off the mat or like, inflamed when she was when she was doing those types of activities that require your body to go through a lot so just those little wins were so awesome because she's just you know she's just a warrior who always focused on strength training but not the in-between lifestyle stuff and then once she focused on that like everything in the strength training and activity world just it boosted for her such a shift from like let's just look at certain numbers or extrinsic goals so like the external reasons that why you want it as opposed to that internal reason like what's the actual reason Mm -hmm. you want to do this so you focus on the foods that better help them feel their best and better help them making those gains those performance improvements absolutely yeah and i use that concept with myself in terms of always focusing on abundance like that's huge for me and Mm -hmm. adding in foods that are going to help them as opposed to taking out because we're in such a restriction mindset when it comes to food unfortunately like you see every you know everything about food what you need to cut out what you need and that might be true but a lot of the time it's things that people need to add in like hey you definitely need to add in more water maybe we need to add in some more green vegetables like there's always things to add in before you start thinking you need to go on the keto diet or like whatever it is right (laughs) so that's always been my approach and it's just such an important thing for people to focus on because when they're like, when they might have to go on a, you know, semi-restrictive plan because they have some inflammation or things going on, they can still focus on the foods that they can't have. It's just a very negative place to be. Mm-hmm. I find it's really interesting also when you do think about, okay, well, what good things are we adding in? The bad things naturally fall away, totally. right? Because there isn't room for everything else. Yeah, totally. And that, you know, that is so key that your body starts to biochemically change once you start to eat good, real food. It's so hard to think about in the beginning if you do have all these habits and cravings and things going on. But, you know, I have clients that just have these clicks where they're like, hey, I actually haven't had that craving in a while and I don't feel like I need to have this every day um, because their energy's up and they feel good once they're supporting their body from a nutrition perspective. It takes time and work, yeah. but it also, you know, once you get that, it's you don't want to stop. What's the best part about working on the nutrition side of things? I, I get so pumped about food and people's results because to be honest, it is the hardest part about health and wellness I totally think. is isn't it you I, make I agree. so many yeah. choices a day like there's so many conflicting views there's underlying emotional reasons with food like there's the list goes on in the challenges we have with food mm-hmm. and we all have them yeah. you know even as a nutritionist who's been in this I work with a lot of males and like we all have quote-unquote body image issues regardless of who you are if you have a body you have issues and it's it takes time to deal with this stuff. And a lot of those issues come back to food mm. and knowing how to fuel your body properly. So the reward of just 
knowing that people put the work in and that are willing to put the work in because it's not a short-term fix like no diet no short-term diet really works in the long run it's <laughs> yeah. it's that consistency and and truly changing habits and behavior that makes a difference mm-hmm. it's not the like i went on this amazing you know whatever diet for six weeks and i lost weight but great you know, you hated eating salads and you were stressed about it. So it's not really that beneficial for you. Right. Totally. Totally. And it's never going to be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you want people to live and feel like what they're doing is sustainable and Mm -hmm. they could do it for a long time. Yeah. And it's not going to feel like this restrictive plan where you, you hate doing it. (laughs) Right. Right. Cause that's not life. No, no, that'll never, that'll never serve you in the end. No. I'm curious in how your training personally has evolved over the years. I was very, again, athlete focused. So I did like a lot of Olympic lift, like traditional Olympic lifting. I did, I, my background is strength and conditioning. So I did CSCS. So it it was very like, this is like the way that you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after I did my CSCS, I actually went and worked in like a traditional gym, did that for a bit and like a commercial gym, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like commercial gym, like extreme fitness ended up managing like the trainers there and everything and I saw like everything when it came to training and so and I tried everything it was like you know if I'm going to be in those settings I have to have to change so my training specifically like I think the biggest things that has changed is I I don't push my body to being absolutely torn down and beat up and feel like that's what I need to do in order to get a good workout Mm -hmm. and I think you know I still train really hard I still lift heavy weight. I still do all of those things, but I've, I've really tried to take my ego out of strength training mm-hmm. as much as possible. And of course it's still there. And of course you're still going to be like, man, I'm so strong right now. And I'm like killing it and all these things. And there's lifts now that I'm doing that I'm stronger than I was in my early twenties. So it's, it's just a process. And I think taking your ego out of it, out of it has made a big difference for me personally, because it's like, you know, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for other people or am I doing this for myself? Because I want to feel strong. And so, you know, I focus on exercises that I love and that are going to make me feel strong. And I actually get my partner, Adrian to to program for me because I will do the same front squats and pull-ups um, all the time. <laughs> like I have the knowledge and, and my workout partner is also an amazing strength coach and she has the knowledge too, but we just love having a coach. And as totally. coaches, yeah. we need coaches. Like I've always had coaches and I'm always getting feedback on my form and I'm always cautious of how my body feels and like ready to shut it down or take a rest day if I need to take a rest day, which my mindset when I was younger would be like rest days, like who takes those? <laughs> like, you know, and so that, that push harder, do more attitude. Like I've definitely switched that to like, Hey, my body needs rest today. Or maybe I just want to do like a little bit of movement and mobility and listen to what my nervous system is saying and and your body will tell you Mm -hmm. if it's exhausted it will tell you if it's ready to push hard like I think those things I've learned key performance indicators those those are the ones to pay attention to like when to push and when to to pull back and a conversation I'm constantly having with clients because everyone wants to do more and like what about this hip class and that and I'm like well do you need to do two a days probably not you know, because yeah. people don't understand that exercise is stress. Mm-hmm. It's a good stress and you can get all these physical adaptations from it, but it also is stress. So when we have stress and we have this like sympathetic nervous system overdrive, which is what happens and how we get these changes, we also need the parasympathetic stuff. So that's rest, digest, recover, rejuvenate. And so that's my biggest focus is that balance between like your nervous system runs your show. Like it's going to tell you whether you need to shut it down or if you can push hard Mm -hmm. because we're always going to have that. Yeah. A lot of people get addicted to being sore and being run down because it's almost like, I guess, feedback that they worked hard enough. Could you just speak a little bit to the concept that soreness doesn't equal effective necessarily? Yeah. Actually, it's so funny. I just had this conversation with Jamie (laughs) today because we... For my birthday, we did a ton of reps, um, and I'll date, I my, saw that. I'll date myself. So I turned 34 yesterday, <laughs> and and so we were like, we're gonna do 34 reps of everything, like as in like a like a birthday workout. 
and That's it seemed a lot like a good, of reps. it seemed like a good idea at the time and then I'm like oh my god I'm so old and this is so many reps That's um I mean old in like the best way because I feel amazing and age is so not you know it's a mindset in my yeah. opinion but it's um it's a lot of reps mm-hmm. and so we were like talking about how we hardly ever get sore anymore even though we're like pushing heavy weight again training really hard and training to failure in, in certain lifts and that type of thing but our, our bodies are way more adapted to it and uh, so today we were sore because that was a different adaptation that we're not used to and that's the thing people think they need to push so hard to get results when really that's just not how your body works and, and a lot of the time like especially for women because our hormonal systems are so sensitive to this mm-hmm. if you're pushing hard your body will actually resist you you know losing weight sometimes or whatever or like whatever it is that your goal is building muscle um leaning out quote unquote that's just building muscle and burning fat but yeah. in general your body will resist that if you're really stressed right so you know the strength aspect is so important too because you can't get stronger if you're pushing to your limits with these like really intense workouts all the time soreness does not equal progression it's just not how our bodies work i think one of the most eye-opening things for me was when i changed from training pretty much seven days a week maybe six like maybe i'd take a rest day but it was dependent on my schedule not on me just saying i need to take a rest day but when i changed from training every day to training four or five times a week and nothing bad happened like I didn't lose strength I felt better like I didn't my body didn't all of a sudden change a ton it was like I had this fear that if I did less then all of a sudden all these bad things would happen when in reality that's that wasn't the case at all and I just continued to take care of myself and I felt better. I was great. I was just as strong. I didn't lose strength. And now I can train, you know, some weeks I train three times a week and I'm okay. Nothing bad is like the world's not ending. That was a huge discovery for me when I, when I shifted from that. Totally. And I went through the same thing again. I thought like, you know, oh, I just have to do more when really your body needs that rest all the magic happens when we're recovering anyway yeah in terms of the the gains quote unquote that you want you have to eat properly you have to sleep you have to focus on lifestyle factors like recovery you know whether it's like cold therapy or treatment or whatever and it foam rolling in between like whatever it is that you know works for you and you feel good and feel like you're recovered for the next session like that stuff you have to train hard but also you have to recover even harder because you have so many more hours where you're recovering from your workout than your actual workout yeah it's so true what do you do to keep your body recovered i love foam rolling and mobility work so i'll do like usually a little bit of morning session for that i have like my key things that i do for back and shoulder mobility and that type of thing and then i also respond really well to acupuncture and chiropractic care i have a couple amazing people who i work with for that and then in terms of nutrition my big focus i have like a checklist that i get all my clients and myself to to follow and it's just making sure that you have quality protein Uh, that you're getting fiber with each meal, color, so like a ton of vegetables, and healthy fats. So I just like focus on very simple strategies that way. A ton of water, supplementation is something that doesn't necessarily need to happen for everybody if they're you know focusing on their nutrition but for really active people there are some things that they need to focus on from that perspective. And then the biggest thing is sleep. I have Mm. made that such a priority, yeah, in my recovery journey because I'm not a great sleeper. I've had like a a history of light sleeping and, you know. Oh, like sleep quality historically isn't great. Yeah. So um, I've always had that issue. Like it was just always a thing and I've really focused on it. I've done like a lot of different research on like sleep strategies. I have a whole like evening routine that I go through because, and it's made a world of a difference. So sleep is like the number one thing that I'll look at for people if they're like feeling like their body's out of whack. What are the things that you do to make sure that your sleep quality is good? Get super nerdy here, but um, <laughs> yep, look out for it, please. So I'm totally I'm on fascinated the... by sleep lately. So that's oh why good. I so I have well, I have some book recommendations for you on that. Then cool. one of them's called Why We Sleep, and then the mm-hmm. other one's called The Circadian Code. Those ones are amazing, and then 
Ariana Huffington has an amazing book on sleep as well. So those are like three like Bible books that I dove into and I've kind of taken from each in terms of like my own strategy. Uh, But my number one thing is powering down. So like usually 7.30, 8pm screens are like not a thing for me. Wow, that's awesome. And it's tough. And sometimes I watch Netflix and I'll put my blue light glasses on. But (laughs) do you um, have the really cute orange one? Oh, yeah, I have like the nerdiest one. And now there's like, okay, I got these things like two or three years ago. When they were not cool and they're, I ordered them off of Amazon and they're so nerdy. Yeah. And now they have like the cutest ones. Be like, look at my nice. I'm like, mine do not look like that. (laughs) They're so nerdy. So blue light glasses. And so I'll like, you know, again, if I have to look at screens where I'm doing like an Instagram post and it's like later, like, cause I wanted to post it later. I will like put my glasses on and be conscious of that. Uh, And then I have like a whole recovery sort of like sometimes I'll take an Epsom salt bath. Mm -hmm. So Epsom salt, because of the magnesium content, will help like muscles recover for the next day. So that's huge. And then I will read fiction before bed. So a lot of the time, what I used to do is I used to read because I read all the time and I'm usually business, nutrition books, like any sort of personal development. I'm like, I just nerd out on all the time. I started to read fiction before bed because my brain was like constantly going still and I needed something to like shut down. A lot of the time it's Harry Potter. Um, yes. <laughs> I will admit, I also listen to Harry Potter on audiobook before really? bed. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it's like which this British are, guy. Which one are you on? Um, Order of the Phoenix. Nice. Yeah. I read all of them multiple. I'm an, oh, I yeah. was such a Harry Potter nerd. I read yeah, all of them multiple times yeah. when I was younger. And then I stop eating. Um, throughout the week, it's like always 7 p.m. I'll stop eating. Mm-hmm. Um, that's made a huge difference before because I found that like even if I was like training at nighttime, I would eat really late and then I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. And so the book that I kind of follow for that is called The Circadian Code. And it goes through all of like our internal clock that is our sleep wake wake cycle and like when we should be eating and when we should be resting and focusing on just rejuvenation and resetting our digestive system, resetting everything. So our, uh, our internal clock needs that on a daily basis. So those are like the biggest things that I focus on. I mean, I could go on, but <laughs> those are like the, yeah, yeah like every night I, tr- I really try to focus on that. The other thing I do is I make like my to-do list and write out what I need to do for the next day. So that's huge for me because I'm like a lie in bed and I think about like, oh my God, I have all these things to do. So I try to like mind dump before bed, like literally whether it's writing in my journal or I have this planner. Yes, I use like an actual written planner because I love it. And it helps me to like know that I've, I've done like what I can that day getting off my phone and getting off email and all that stuff is so important. It's made such a, even as hard as it is sometimes. That timeline though, I've been thinking about doing that, about just saying, okay, after it would probably be 8 PM realistically for me, but after 8 PM, like done airplane mode, like, yeah, maybe I'll watch a show with Totally. If you want to like, yeah. And I think that's a way of, of like unwinding too. Like whether it's like listening to Harry Potter or watching Netflix, like I also love Netflix and I watch that, but Yeah, you do need that time to like reset, especially in our industry. Like you can constantly be going and and doing. You can find a way to be busy all the time. The food one late is an interesting one as well. That's something that I've just realized makes a big difference because there were a couple of nights when I did everything else right. And for some reason, I couldn't fall asleep. And then I woke up not feeling very well rested. And that was actually the only thing that I could point to is that, well, I had dinner at 9 p.m too late for the most part like if I'm in my routine I try to try to shut it down right and get my and you it actually like has helped so much with like controlling hunger and being able to to go like the next day and have that consistency in my meals and Mm. and decrease in cravings all of that so yeah that book was awesome I recommend it awesome yeah I'll have to check those out for sure yeah one big thing that I've been um that I've been thinking about and talking about a lot personally and then with my clients is stress. You know, as you alluded to, we're always in this like sympathetic go, go, go mode. I think our stress is high even when we think we're managing it and we don't realize it. You talked a little bit about the concept of managing stress through nutrition and through what you're eating. Could you just tell us a little bit about that concept? This is one of my favorite topics. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, I love this topic because... It is something that is 
so important for everybody. Stress is gonna happen regardless. And I actually don't think there is a way to manage stress, quote unquote. I think you can build up a resiliency to it. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you're like, oh, okay, like I manage my stress really well. No, I'm just resilient and I'm able to bounce back from stressful situations in a healthy way. We focus on like, oh, we need to decrease stress or limit. That's not a thing. It's going to be there. You know, yes, you can react differently to it and you can um, change your situation to deal with it better. And so that's the big thing that I try to try to stress is uh, <laughs> making sure that, no we're that we're building up resiliency. So resiliency is essentially just being able to go through hardship and come back stronger building up that resiliency is so important when it comes to nutrition perspective. So the big things that I know is like when I go through stressful situations or times, I'll start to have more cravings, usually of sweet things. I'll run to stimulants like more coffee. My sleep will be disturbed. I'll notice all these little things. I'll be having these, these waves of hunger and cravings that come throughout the day. So for nutrition, the big thing is to be aware of it. Number one, okay, I'm going through a stressful time. Like I'm craving more things. I'm relying on stimulants. So those are the big things to be like, aha, right away I should, you know, try to decrease those because they're going to add to the stress, mm. unfortunately. Like a lot of the time, if we think that it's decreasing it, it's actually adding to it. Especially stress. with stimulants. Exactly. Yikes. Like or whether it's wine or chocolate or, or coffee or whatever your your vice is that you, you want to deal with stress. And then managing it in a way of, again, the abundance piece. So things really high in B vitamins I focus on. So like a lot of dark leafy greens, uh, you know, beans, legumes, nuts, seeds, those types of things, which are really high in B vitamins to help mitigate the stress a little bit more. I focus a lot on magnesium rich foods. So magnesium is so important for our nervous system and stress because it helps us to get into more of a parasympathetic state. So I mentioned like the rest, digest, recover, rejuvenate. So it helps us to do that. Magnesium is a very important mineral for athletes because it helps with muscle contraction and relaxation. So it's so important for them, but it's so important for everyone dealing with any type of stress, which again is all of us. Um, so magnesium rich foods are are incredibly important. And even like dark chocolate does have a high magnesium rate. So even if you're having like a little bit of that to deal with like a sweet mm. craving, but also help to mitigate it and not feel like you're super restricted. Mm. Um, if you're, you know, having like three chocolate bars a day and that then that becomes a problem. Um, but magnesium is, is such a big one. And then I focus on a lot of amino acids as well. So like making sure that people are getting adequate adequate protein so that they're feeling satiated their energy is is a little bit more sustainable throughout the day and so those are the big go-to's for me and then trying to you know again acknowledge the cravings acknowledge the stressful period and deal with it in a you know sustainable way that that doesn't feel overwhelming you need to focus on those rejuvenation practices that's a conversation that I have with clients as well you're in this high stress mode there's no reason that we need to be hitting this exact like your normal workout we shouldn't expect that of you so I often dial it back in those situations I'm curious how you deal with cravings cravings are, are a very interesting thing because when it comes to hunger hunger is like a physiological thing and like we can feel it a lot of the time like you know yes we can in our mind might think we're hungry when we're really bored or you know there is a behavioral aspect but with cravings there's a huge neurotransmitter connection so what i mean by that is there's a neurotransmitter dopamine which is our pleasure neurotransmitter so it makes us feel good and, and we get this like dopamine hit it's the same thing when you get like likes on instagram or whatever it's like that dopamine hit of pleasure and you feel good the big thing that i focus on with craving is again like acknowledging when it's happening why it's happening is it the same time every day is it a habit thing is it behavior you know are you with the same friend that always has that like banana bread or whatever it is so acknowledging where it comes from in the beginning and then using a behavior habit switch to reroute the pattern so for me i'll use myself as an example so when i was in a very stressful job managing 20 trainers downtown toronto every day at like three o'clock because i was like so stressed i would go out and i would get like a extra large coffee at 3 p.m and like get banana bread from starbucks it didn't feel like me i felt like totally off but i like needed that like stress relief from i felt that i needed that stress relief so 
the craving, yes, it was like a sugar thing, but it was more so just changing my behavior. So what I started to do instead is I started to go for a walk. And although there's a Starbucks on every corner, I just really tried to focus on like, I need this time to mentally change my my pattern here because it's like clearly there's a direct pattern between my behavior and what I'm craving, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Everyone's different and it can come down to lack of sleep, overly stressed again that those are very highly connected with cravings so how i deal with it is get them to really focus on things like like the checklist like okay did you have protein at breakfast if you just had you know a ton of oatmeal then you might even have more sugar cravings throughout the day because your blood sugar is already high and you're having waves even if you had quote unquote a health food Right. Mm-hmm. So people get very confused about even just like incorporating the different macronutrients into their diet. So I'll look at like the full picture of what they're eating and then be like, okay, this is probably why the craving is coming up is because you've been having these little bits of sugar or these little bits of salt or whatever it is that's making you crave more of it. Have you read The Power of Habit? Yeah. That's a great book. It but is. What, the way that you're explaining realizing like the trigger and then inserting something else as your action or as the thing that you do is and I think it's important to like you know we're we're all gonna have cravings we're all gonna have things that we indulge in I also like this from habit uh trainer uh James Clear I don't know if you know who he is but he's awesome and he has like a similar approach to the power of habit uh but his thing is like don't miss twice for instance, like a workout or whatever it is, like, you know, even if it's just movement, getting, creating a habit is just doing something consistently over mm. time. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. And so, and then it just becomes automatic. And that's what, again, that behavior and habit comes from. So his thing is like, okay, if you have like the chocolate and whatever, like no judgment, it happened, let's move on, have a really nutritious dinner. If that happened at you know, 3 p.m. or whatever it is. So just rerouting and making sure that like, okay, that happened, let's move on. So don't miss twice. And I absolutely love that because it couldn't be more true when it comes to like habits and consistency. You know, that's how we get results is, is what we do every day, not what we do every once in a while. For sure. And people are like, oh my God, I had that one piece of chocolate cake like last month. And I'm like, well, that's really not gonna be the thing that like <laughs> made you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like. It's the consistency every single day that's the important part. I have a couple of uh, listener questions that I want to ask to kind of round out this hour. Yeah. How do you sort through the hype or the trends to figure out what is actually true? Yeah, that's a great question. question. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. I am a huge nerd in the sense that I read all the time and I'm constantly doing my own research and... I listen to podcasts almost every single day and I'm I'm constantly doing my research and I'm also changing my mind about things mm-hmm. and I'm open to changing my mind about things if there's enough evidence. So my big thing is I try it on myself. Like a lot of the time I'll be like, okay, like I'm going to try this out to see how I feel off of it and do a ton of research. So read. So even if it's something like the keto diet, like I've, I've versed myself in that because I am asked about it daily (laughs) sure yeah so you know and and have I done the keto diet with a client absolutely he had epilepsy and it was like very much connected to a neurological disorder the research was all there for something like that and it was actual origin do I do it for fat loss clients no (laughs) you know because again I just don't feel that there's enough research and I don't feel that you need to be that restrictive in order to get you know results that being said that client that had epilepsy issue like it was clearly affecting his life in a negative way and he had young kids and all these things so it's like it's an extreme situation and an extreme diet where it made sense in that and now he does a modified version where it's way more sustainable but my point is that I versed myself in that so much because I'm gonna get asked about it anyway I make sure that I look to the people that I look up to in the field and whether they've tried it clinically with their clients. And anecdotally, I try it with people all the time. So I'm like, okay, this worked for my clients. Then I know that regardless of what the research is saying sometimes, it's worth just getting in there and trying it with your clients. So nutrition research is the hardest research out there because it actually takes like 17 years. This is a fact. It takes 17 years to actually prove a nutrition principle like of research. So why like, is that? Just because we can't do like clinical trials on 
people. Uh, a lot of the time they're animal studies. And mm-hmm. so, you know, even a lot of the keto research, like all of that, they're all animal studies. Like our gut microbiome, wow. we are so new in all of that information, but we know enough, clinically we know enough about it that probiotics are going to help us and that, you know, we need to support our gut microbiome to have good brain health. Like the, these are connections that we've made, um, but it's still not proven in a lot of research. So it takes such a long time to prove something in nutrition that you have to kind of just like play around with it a bit and see what works for you. And then anecdotally, like work with your clients in, uh, in coming up with a plan that they see results with and using that as research. So I've been fortunate to be in the field for a while now that I have my own kind of like studies because they're my clients and not that I want to talk about my clients as studies, but like (laughs) it's always giving me feedback because everyone's different and no one has the same plan and no one has the same body. So it's, it's so individualized. And so yes, it's important to do your research, but also it's important to listen to what's working for you as a coach. When and why should you incorporate supplements? So I get asked this question a lot. And because I work with a lot of professional athletes, I do use a lot of supplementation when it's necessary and only if they have a good diet and great habits with that in terms of a lifestyle first. So if I get a brand new athlete and they're asking me about like creatine and they're asking me about like protein powder and all these different things, I'm going to be like, whoa, hold up. Like, let's start with getting you such a solid base in your habits and get you consistent with that first. So I always focus on food first and especially with like, you know, the average person who, you know, is just training and wants to do better and like heard that this supplement's great for this and this is great for this and you can get overworked with or overwhelmed with the amount of information out there when it comes to supplementation. So I always make sure that I am getting them on a consistent plan from nutrition first. And then I say, let's add in these things. Like you could really benefit from a probiotic. Now that we've done all this work, you know, you could benefit to boost your gut health in these reasons, in these ways. Or, you know, whether it's something like a protein powder or omega-3s, magnesium in certain cases, if they're, you know, going through high levels of stress. So I'll use different supplements and I always work with companies that I trust. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a good point. You can't just go to the store and grab no. any supplement. No. They I'm like, not all the same. No, and I will yeah. talk about that because this is such an important thing because I work with athletes. All of the supplement companies that I refer even to my clients who aren't athletes are NSF certified mm-hmm. or informed choice. And what that means for people who don't know is that they go through a third-party testing. And this is so important because if you're just going and picking random supplements out at the supplement store, they could literally be making claims that are totally false. I and heard that there's no, um, there's no regulation. There's no regulation nope, in Canada. There's no governing body. So if you look at it's so insane, yeah. So how everything has to go through third party testing, and literally they could say anything like fit tea or whatever the crap, whatever oh, yeah. the crap is, Skinny which has been totally debunked yeah. because nutritionists. And, I won't even get into that that <laughs> rant. But like again, like making all these claims, getting celebrity influencers to talk about how that's how they got their abs. There's so much crap out there when it comes to the supplement industry that I I only work with people who have gone through the third party testing who I would recommend for athletes if athletes get tested it's on me mm-hmm. I'm I'm responsible for that I will tell the story there's a plant-based um company that claimed to be p- completely plant-based and then they got tested and there were a ton of animal products no so way vegans were taking oh this and so that's an extreme example but it happens and if, it will always cost more if it's better quality be informed if you don't know anything about it or you're just going to the store and taking random ones like just don't take them okay for my final question i ask everybody this yeah but what makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning what makes me excited is the work that i'm doing and the connections that i have with the people that i've been fortunate to be around they they really light me up to continue to do what I do. So although I'm an introvert and I love to be on my own, like I love seeing people get the results that they're looking for and to feel healthy and alive and like they're performing and like they're better than the day before. So that's my huge thing is always making an effort to be better than the day before. If I can have just like the little bit of impact on that, that's that's so awesome. Um, How can listeners connect with you if they want to know more, if they want to listen to your podcast, which has been a big inspiration in me starting mine. So so thanks for that. Yeah. 
I'm so I'm so glad you reached out and you you dove in because that's the hardest. Adrian and I were talking about this, and it's the hardest thing. It's just mm-hmm. diving in and and doing it and trusting yourself. The minute that you get that feeling that you know you should do something, you have to do it right you away. Have to do it, or else you won't. Right. Yeah. And I think I knew that because I had I did have so many like small fears surrounding it and just like questions. But but I also knew deep down that like this is an idea that I needed to run with. So yeah, I am. Um, I'm at Sylvie Tatro Instagram and connect with me there. Email and my website. I am very active on as well. So my email is through my Instagram and then the podcast is championship lifestyle. And I run that with my partner, Adrian. So we're always open to, to guest suggestions and, we break down a topic of health and wellness every Friday, so we always want feedback on that. Thank you so much. This Thank you. Awesome. I'm so pumped for you. This is awesome. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of How Do You Feel? Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning. You can catch up with me and stay up to date on everything at KCMZav on Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review. This is a new show, so a little review really goes a long way. Thanks so much, guys. Get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.